You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. All right, guys, welcome to Rob's Rant 2024 Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Here we are, another year has gone by, and it's been a wild one in the real estate mortgage industry for sure. I think the biggest topic that's just, it won't leave, it won't, it won't stop coming about every single conversation that everybody has in both mortgage and real estate, and that's affordability. The affordability problem, the affordability solutions, and just the general issue with people getting into homes. People being able to afford homes, you know, it used to be that owning a home was the American dream, but not only that, it was an affordable American dream. It was an affordable way to be able to sustain long term was to buy a home. And it seems like that's flipped in the last couple of years to where it's an American nightmare now for a lot of people, not only getting ready to buy a home, going through the process getting the negotiation and all that done, but then owning the home and the expenses and the rising costs, taxes, insurance, mortgage rates, all that stuff, right? So let's tackle affordability on a couple different fronts. I think the first thing is to talk about the factors that are contributing to it, right? So what is contributing to the increase in housing costs? Well, it's just the simple inflation factor, Everything's going up, Uh, even though it's tapered down recently as I record this, January 2024, January 10th, the affordability is still not there, even though a lot of prices have come down recently, right? And I'm not talking about housing, I'm not talking about gas or anything specifically, but just in general, it's still very expensive overall for pretty much everything. A lot more expensive than it was a couple years ago, right? The other thing is supply and demand. So no matter what's going on with the rates, no matter what's going on with the other parts of the economy, there's more demand now for housing than there was five, 10 years ago, not only because of increasing population, but the utility of housing. And I've talked about this on other episodes of the podcast previously. The utility for housing right now is so much more than it was. A house means more in 2024 than it did in 2019. A house means more in 2024 than it did in 2010. And the reason that it means more is because we're using our homes now more than before. And that's because of COVID, which led to the rise in remote work, which brings us where we are today. So now if you're not working from home full-time, maybe you're doing it part-time. Maybe you've got kids going to school a little bit virtually, whereas before it was almost unheard of. So there's more utility in all areas of the home now than there was before. It means more to own a home. It's more valuable today to own a home than it was back then. So again, forget the interest rates, forget all the other stuff. Simple utility is more now than it was before. So also regions of the of the areas, like regions, urban versus rural. It used to matter a lot more. Now with the rise of virtual work, with the rise of hybrid 
um, working and those scenarios, it's allowing people to move to different areas than they were able to before. Areas that were considered more rural, more um, scarce, I would say now are on the table for a lot of people to get a more affordable housing. That's why it's important is we can take these areas that were just taboo to live in, like rural areas. And now if you're hybrid, if you're working from home, you can move there and you can still make the same money you were making before and live in a lower cost of living area. Okay. These are really important factors that a lot of people are just not discussing. So this leads me to my next topic on affordability, which is the government policies and initiatives. So it just so happens we're in an election year. It just so happens that housing affordability is a big topic as part of this election and as part of the platform that the politicians are using. So it's my, well, it's my experience where I've seen this happen before, where the politicians have used housing to get in. They've used housing to pivot themselves as a, like a Robin Hood for the lower the lower underserved or the underserved, right? So those that had issues buying a home because of affordability, they'll come in and create tax incentives. That's what I've seen happen before, tax credits. They'll create down payment assistance programs. Um, you know, they'll create a lot of things to help bring about additional opportunities for people to buy homes. And they'll also bring about initiatives to allow people that own homes to get easier mortgages, easier financing. The one that comes to uh, to mind that happened previously was called HARP, or the Fo Home Affordable Refinance Program, HARP. The government came in in the last housing crisis, and they created this program to help people take advantage of the lower interest rates, people that couldn't refinance because they owed more on their home than it was worth, because of their debt-to-income ratio, because of a lot of different things. This program solved that problem. This was a government initiative. If my memory serves me right, it was somewhere around like 2009 or 10 that they brought it out, maybe into 2012 or 13, that this program um, was very popular for to allow people to refinance. That, again, had no ability to refinance otherwise. They also bring about loan modification programs to help people. We saw that during COVID, um, where those initiatives came out to help people to keep their homes. So I see that moving into the factor of people actually buying their first home because down payment assistance. I think that's the magic word when it comes to government policies and initiatives around affordability and around home buying is the government giving people money and helping them afford that what they need to get in the home. We've really seen some awesome down payment assistance come about that I've really seen take off over the last maybe six months. It's just been there, but a lot of lenders are really embracing it now, right? So it's created a lot of opportunities there, for sure. The more that home prices go up, the harder it is to get that down payment. Because even if it is a 3.5% or 5%, like a low down payment, those numbers keep going up, and it's really difficult to swallow. It always was for first-time buyers, but it's harder and harder, because these prices keep going up, but the wages aren't, right? So that's the big issue that keeps coming about with affordability. So solutions. What are some solutions to this that I'm seeing right now? I'll tell you the biggest one is going to be the co-living and co-buying. 
and I did an entire episode on this, I don't know, two or three months ago. But the co-living and co-buying is the future of housing. And the thing is that, unfortunately, I don't think that the home prices are going to go down. I really don't. I don't think that the rates are going to go down meaningfully enough to where an increase in home prices isn't going to hurt first-time home buyers. So what does that mean? So I, I mean, I definitely think this year we're going to see a reduction in interest rates. I think we're going to see them come down to hopefully fives, maybe fours if we're lucky. I don't really see it going below that, but time will tell, right? But the home prices I see going up this year, I see them going up at least in Connecticut, anywhere between five and 10%. And the lower the rates go, the higher I see the prices going, okay? So it's really a double-edged sword. Supply and demand. If we see those rates go down, more people are going to get into the market. So how does this apply to co-living and co-buying is people cannot afford to buy a home on their own anymore. The wages haven't kept up. If you're buying a decent single family home in a lot of areas now, it's 350, 400, 500, 600 in the nicer areas, maybe even dare I say 7 or 800,000 in like lower Fairfield County to get a decent home. Some areas even more, right? It's impossible to afford unless you're making like quarter million, half a million type of income. Very few people doing that overall. And the people that are, are they actually showing it on their taxes? That's a whole other story. But co-living and co-buying solves it because now you have multiple people buying a home. I'm not talking about husband and wife. I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about co-workers. Talking about people that maybe normally would be neighbors now buying a home together so that they can afford it. This is the way that affordability is going, ladies and gentlemen. It's unfortunate, but this is where I see it. This is my job to call the shots the way I see them right now in the market. And the way I see housing affordability, not only in Connecticut, but nationwide, is going the way of unaffordability. And the way to combat that is co-living and co-buying. So co-buying is about buying a home together. Maybe it's two people. Maybe it's three or four. I've had applications come in recently with three, four people, where normally I'd only see that once in a while. It's becoming more and more common. I'm seeing a lot more of the co-signing. They're not even going to live in the house. They're just getting a parent or someone else to co-sign because they can't afford it on their own. Their debt-to-income ratio doesn't work, which is generally going to be calculated very strictly on these first-time buyer programs we're using, okay? So when you put multiple people on a loan, multiple incomes, it makes it easier to qualify. That's why that's the solution. Now, the co-living is a little trickier because with the co-living, maybe you can afford it on paper, but you're not comfortable taking on a high mortgage payment. And this is really, I would say, most opportune in like high density areas, big cities or areas that have a lot of um, just a lot of growth, a lot of opportunities, right? So buying a home, you have a big mortgage, but you've got a bunch of areas in the home that you can rent out, like a bunch of rooms that you can rent out and get income to help pay your mortgage, this is what co-living is about. Usually there'll be one owner, maybe there'll be two owners, but now you're renting out rooms. You're creating income from the property. And that could be long-term rental. That could also be short-term rental, Airbnb, VRBO, that sort of thing. This is innovation going on in housing right now. A lot of people aren't talking about it yet because it's not become mainstream yet, but there are people that are buying homes that are renting multiple rooms out to afford it. 
There are people that are buying homes with friends and family, three, four plus on a mortgage application. And there are people that are really taking the opportunity and seizing it. This is what it takes right now to afford a home. This is what it takes right now to be able to participate in the real estate market. And I'm really more specifically talking to the first time home buyers here. The people that are getting in with little to no money down that have financial hurdles in the affordability space. So these are solutions. These are innovations that they can use right now to get into a home. What is the social impact? What's the economic impact? So a lot of people know that housing has a huge impact on local economy, right? When we're talking in the context of someone being able to buy a home, it creates so much so much impact from just all the things that have to be bought. Furniture, all the bills, you know, just you can just extrapolate that in your head, right? It's a lot of impact, a lot of money being spent when somebody owns a home. The younger someone is when they own a home, the more wealth they can create in their life because owning a home is the cornerstone of creating wealth for most people. It's going to be as much or more than most people's 401k or retirement, unfortunately, um, but that's the way that it sits right now. Home equity is definitely for many people either number one or number two in their assets. So getting people in the game early is important. Having these home buyer programs, having these solutions, having the affordability somehow work and become becoming a homeowner really extrapolates out in a positive way in the economy. It creates this ripple effect in the socioeconomic part of the economy and also just generally in small businesses and just helping the economy thrive overall because so much money gets put back in by homeowners. Homeowners spend more than non-homeowners, right? What's the consequences if this doesn't happen is a nation of renters, people just renting from corporations, and that's the standard. That's the way that it is going. But in this episode, we're talking about ways to combat this. We're talking about solutions to affordability. If you don't believe there are solutions, then you're looking the way of corporate rental structures, where corporations buy homes and build homes for rent. And that takes away the opportunity for the average person to create wealth through real estate. I don't like it, but that's what's happening. So Ask yourself a question if you're a home buyer or you know a home buyer struggling with this affordability issue. Is there someone else that can go and co-sign with you? Is there someone else that can co-buy with you, friend, family, that would go in on this investment with you? You need a place to sleep at night, but again, a home is financial. There is an investment component, and when it comes down to the dollars and cents, sometimes you just can't qualify for a home in the current market, but you want to own a home. These are ways you can do that. The co-buying, co-living is really what I want to I wanna, I wanna have you sit with that as a real solution to this problem, right? So co-buying, co-living. Who do you know that can co-sign with you? Who do you know that can co-buy with you? Who do you know that can co-live with you? Or can you go out into the marketplace and find someone to get in on this with you or to rent a room or whatever it may be? If this is a way to help you feel more comfortable, then so be it. I will also make a side note in saying that there are some newer programs. I believe Freddie Mac has a program which allows you to use income from like border. So what they call when you're renting rooms is border income. 
So there are mortgage programs that are starting to address this, but it's not really in the way that it needs to be to help the affordability issue. So let's start wrapping up here with our final thoughts. Advocacy for housing affordability. It's really important that people go out in the community and make a, a stink that housing isn't affordable, but that alone will not make a change, right? There needs to be movements and, and things that go on that actually create affordable housing. I'm not somebody that likes to rely on the government, but that's really what a lot of this stuff is focused on in the community is having people help out, having the government help out. But what I want to do is put that aside because what I've found is when you rely on other people, especially the federal government, you're going to sit there waiting for a long time and it may never happen. It usually doesn't. So go out there and use this discussion as a catalyst to take your financial future into your hands, to take the affordability crisis into your hands. So what, are, what does that mean? Well, that means, first of all, getting your financial house in order, getting with a mortgage pro to get pre-approved, getting your clarity on your financial circumstances around buying a home, right? Are you three months away or are you three years away from buying a home? That's number one. Number two is getting your down payment funds ready. We talked about down payment assistance and, and, and it's being used. I use it, but I don't love it. It's not great. It's not ideal. If you can come up with a three, three and a half percent down program or three, three and a half percent down payment, you can qualify for a lot of different mortgage programs, several different ones for single family and multifamily. So I think that's a real thing is don't look at it as I need a handout from the government. I need down payment assistance. Look at it as what can I do to have that minimum down payment required? It's going to give you so much more flexibility. Also, remember, you need money for closing costs. It's not just the down payment, but the closing costs. In a lot of areas, that's going to run you eight to 10000 maybe even 12000 depending on the uh, type of home that you're buying, the taxes, that sort of thing. It can be even more. So I'm saying that and using those figures to let you know it's more than a cup of coffee, right? You need to be prepared. So get prepared for this. Get your game plan. Get your strategy. Don't wait around for someone to save you because it's not going to happen. But if you're working with good pros, you're working with people that care and know the industry and are on the ground every day, when programs come out, when things happen, when announcements are made that can positively affect you, they're going to be able to match that. They're going to be able to strike while the iron's hot and match you to that program. And I saw this happen. I see it happen all the time where guidelines change. Something happens and all of a sudden someone that couldn't buy a home can buy a home. Do you have someone looking out for you like that? It's really important you do. And if you don't, reach out and let's get a plan set up. Right, That's what this is all about. If you're not working with me, work with someone. Find somebody to help guide you, both on the real estate side, the mortgage side, um, financial planning, just the wealth team, right? But for me, it really starts with that real estate cornerstone, the mortgage advisor, and the realtor, right? So take control of your personal affordability and find out what that means. What can you afford in this market? If you can only afford 200000 it might not be realistic to buy a home right now, but maybe you can afford more than you thought, or with these affordability solutions, maybe you can co-buy with somebody and afford more than each of you individually, right? Maybe instead of getting two $200,000 homes, you can get one for four hundred dollars or four fifty dollars by co-buying. So 
I think that that's a real opportunity right now that a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait for prices to come down. I'm telling you now, they are not coming down. I see them going up. The question is, how much are they going to go up? Is it going to be like 3 to 5% or is it going to be closer to 10% if we see the rates go down and demand comes in and there's not a lot of supply? Maybe that's the saving grace. If rates go down, people sell their homes. They'll be more open to selling their homes. And then it will create this, uh, this domino effect where the housing market will loosen up a little bit, right? I, I guess maybe that's ideal. What will that do for affordability? Maybe some concessions, right? Maybe we'll see a little bit of uh, flexibility with pricing. That doesn't mean a reduction or lowering of pricing. It just means more flexibility. Again, maybe seller closing costs with the seller helping you out as a home buyer to pay some of those closing costs, that sort of thing, right? So I hope that our discussion today has opened your eyes to some opportunities and some challenges in the landscape of housing affordability and specifically here in the state of Connecticut, but this is a nationwide problem. So if I can be of assistance to you, if I can be of assistance to someone that you know, putting these plans together, that's what this is all about is empowering you. I mean, I've had people I work with for like years before they're ready to implement this stuff. So it's just a matter of where you're on or where you are at on your journey. So reach out to me if I can be of assistance, as always. I hope that helps. I hope everyone has an amazing year. And let's just hit it out of the ballpark in 2024. I look forward to helping you. I look forward to guiding you. And I look forward to bringing you on this journey. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.